0: there and welcome to coffee coca-cola comics in comic-con mid,
1: in the mid-afternoon ketchup.
0: justin i had a whole c's thing <laughs> let me say it coffee coca-cola comics comic-con ketchup with the xy podcast i'm justin no 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 but then we have to still do the day oh, guys we're on. a mess today okay here we go welcome to the xy podcast Hi, alicia
1: Yeah, that's you.
0: <laughs> Let's start over. No. Okay. <laughs> this
1: is the last time you do the intro.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm Justin. Let's
0: start the show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. If that's, anyway, a preview of <laughs> the show to come, buckle up.
0: Buckle up.
1: Buckle up. We got a lot. We got a lot going on today because we got two weeks. We got. It's just a rainy, gross day.
0: Yeah, we gotta, we gotta do comics it, from the last two weeks. We
1: every time we walk into the room, the bedroom, the bed like eats you up, and, and then, then you then fall back you, to sleep, you take a nap.
0: So we're here, we're doing it. Let me tell you what we're talking about. We're excited. We're excited about X Men.
1: We're definitely not trying to take a nap.
0: No. <laughs> we have two Marvel Unlimited comics today. We have. X-Men Unlimited number 108 and 109, the continuation of our Sunfire story. We have Magneto, number three, kicking off the Tangies from last week, followed by Wolverine, back in the trenches with Captain America, number 38. X-Men Red, number 16. Then heading over to this week's Tangies, we've got Scarlet Witch, number nine. Astonishing Iceman, number three. The Invincible Iron Man, number 11. And Children of the Vault, number three. Or as I like to call it, The Tales
1: of Cable and Bishop. But that's not its name. It's that's Children not. of the Vault. It's Children of the Vault. Well, with two weeks of comics, you know what we have going along with that?
0: Two weeks of news! News, 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 That news got very, like, yeet.
1: hey so we were at new york comic-con last week that's why there wasn't an episode yeah because we
0: we were at a comic-con
1: we were at a comic-con having fun doing stuff we could have done something this week just it It, was hard life was hard we didn't sleep anyway
0: spider-man game came out you're spoiling the news
1: (laughs) all right you're spoiling the news and i don't like it
0: we are in rare form today i hope this is not your first episode
1: With New York Comic Con, there was announcements. Announcements. Nothing really new in terms of titles that happened at the con, Mm -hmm. just more detail. So the X-Men reveals were a part of a larger Marvel presentation that talked Mm -hmm. about the Ultimate Universe, talked about gods, talked about the Avengers, talked about literally everything big and new happening under the Marvel umbrella Indeed. over the next couple months. But we got details on fall of the House of X, Mm. rise of the powers of X, Mm. and resurrection of Magneto.
0: Yeah, they were calling it Powers of X, not Powers of Ten.
1: Well, technically, Ryan was calling it Powers of Ten. He was. But Jordan confirmed in an interview, it's Powers of X.
0: Oh. But I was with you, Ryan.
1: Yeah, no, I mean it makes sense, right? The visual signifiers, it all adds up. Powers it's over. It's back. It's it's part two.
0: Makes sense. But we're wrong.
1: what we got were the first covers for each yeah, of them. Yeah, we did. Along with a traditional, as we can expect, Mark Brooks promotional image mm-hmm. filled with tons of things to confuse and excite and titillate your mind.
0: I I I have not yet gone through and. Uh combed that image for...
1: For all the 80s, 90s, and more references.
0: But I did think it was interesting that they very clearly pointed out saying, you know, what what could this be with all of these mutants and their costumes from different eras? What could that possibly mean? It means so, they
1: breaking open the timeline and they're going everywhere.
0: They're going crazy. I'm going to hate it.
1: Is so anyway, time travel shenanigans? Everything. we not traveling through time. We're just going to different times. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what Tom's got cooking. Mm. Because, interesting, in his newsletter, yes. which I now actively read because mm-hmm. of the transition, he refers to the fact that he's taking over X-Men. He's uh-huh. taking over a new line. And in that detail, so it's kind of like a a staged series of reveals. So in that newsletter, he's talking about how He's presenting the composition of what the X-Line would be under his editorial, which I thought was strange because mm-hmm. there's no writer attached. So, like, what, oh, what does that composition come from? Because later on in the newsletter, he's talking about how he connected with and talked to some potential writers for X-Books. Oh. But then a couple of days later, John Arbuck pointed out that there was a tweet from Tom that he got his first X-Men script and it was weird, which, Ooh. you know, that's classic X-Men, classic mutants. Also a little makes me feel weird, but. Weird. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So there might be someone attached in a figurehead position and potentially filling out the rest of the line. Because that was my big question. like, How do you fill out a line without a writer attached to that? Yeah. What does that mean? What is driving that? Is that just based on past sales mm. and interests and what you think the line could sustain or which like, is not a good metric
0: does he have like a skeleton of an idea and well, needs writers to flesh it out
1: and that's not a great right like, that's, who, who wants to be that writer that does someone else's
0: yeah no i don't know
1: right so i would imagine from all that fact finding there is someone attached to the x-men line and they're filling out some additional spots.
0: Do you have thoughts on who you think it is? I do not. He does not. I'll tell you what I was excited about in seeing those covers. It was really cool to be sitting in the audience in my Shadowcat cosplay, looking at Shadowcat on the covers, all the covers.
1: All the covers. All literally of the All the covers. covers Ninjaing and up.
0: Just all over the place.
1: But two of these actually happened around New York Comic Con. It just wasn't at that reveal. Mm. Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver.
0: Uh, so yes. the Scarlet Witch
1: title, as we've previously been told, is ending, but there will be a four issue mini to bridge the gap, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, and it'll probably come back as Scarlet Witch.
0: Oh, so that makes sense why Quicksilver has entered the chat. Sure, yeah, the showing Scarlet back up. Witch
1: book. Also, we got some details and first look at covers for Sabretooth War. I don't know Ooh. when that happened and where we were because I would have loved to be there Ben Percy. I think it was on the Marvel stage They were oh. talking about the upcoming Sabretooth War, which I believe will close out Wolverine's story at oh, least in the Krakoan era.
0: Um, what is going to I'm not going to be able to handle all of this. Like not only is the Krakoan era ending, but like there's like Ben Percy might not Isn't gonna write anymore? Is Josh gonna draw X-Men anymore? Is Jerry gonna write X-Men anymore? Like Teeny already left. Like everything is falling apart.
1: Everything is not falling apart. It is coming to its natural conclusion. And I've been trying to prepare you for this for For months. Three years. Yeah. For for a while.
0: But I'm never gonna be prepared. And then there'll be something else.
1: Or we'll go into the back catalog. We already have something that we're doing a crossover episode that we need to read. And some other stuff that's been called out as some things to read. So there'll be plenty of X-Men. Your face is confused. is bewildered. You don't know where to respond you, first.
0: I don't know what you mean by a crossover episode. And I'm panicking a little bit. But you'll tell me later. Because if it's a thing I'm thinking of, then I feel good about it.
1: Dead X-Men.
0: Okay, dead X-Men. They're zombies. They're
1: zombies. The team that died at the gala are now... Busting through their graves and fighting for the future that they want. Let's go. I love me a zombie. Seems to be a kind of tangential storyline to what's going on with Rise and Fall, but will be a part of the end of Krakoa, Mm. which is an interesting twist to Marvel's promotions ever since New York Comic Con's announcement. They have been out front saying, hey, end of Krakoa. We're calling it out. Yep, we have the truth. no
0: shame. They are not sugarcoating it anymore, Alicia. They it's were here. leading
1: you to it, and now it's here. They were trying to make it
0: an easy hit, but it wasn't. It you know, what else?
1: you know what else is here? What? Cable, new miniseries written by Fabian Asieza. Ooh. That will also tie into the fall of Krakoa, the end of Krakoa, the bookmark, the the exclamation point at the end of this saga.
0: Interesting.
1: And an article talking about the origin story of what we think we know of Nightcrawler's history. Oh. Which I thought was like a really interesting... think we know? Right, right, right. Here's what, we, what we've been told in the past.
0: Oh, that's a retcon coming at you.
1: That's a retcon coming at you in X-Men Blue, the origin story, one shot of Cy mm. that, which actually might be the thing... I was talking to John Arbuck again... About what other titles there could be in this post fall of X. I don't know what we call it. It's just
0: is it what we won't know until it's here,
1: right? But none of the none of the covers call it anything different. I think they just call it fall of X or fall of the House of X. It's or the AF era. Yeah,
0: after the fall.
1: After the fall. There you go. Or
0: the AK after Krakoa.
1: Ah, uh, no. Well, it's still it's still closing out Krakoa. CK so- <laughs> closing Krakoa. Anyway, CK1. We were wondering who other who are the other writers that mm. might cuz
0: I'm wondering too. Sure.
1: I figured Cy Spurrier would be back for something to tie up his Legion plot mm. that was kind of left hanging at the end of Sons of X, at least some kind of one-shot or mini or that just makes sense. We have the X-Men Origins, X-Men Blue, whatever you call it. Yeah kind of punctuating uncanny Spider-Man. Not even at the end. I think that's between four and five, it said. Oh, man. Is that a one shot? That is a one shot. Yeah. Uh, But like who else there could be? And right now we have a line of about seven comics. Fall, Rise, Resurrection, Mm -hmm. Cable, Dead X-Men, Wolverine, X-Force. So I'm going to think about. With all of that, we had a bunch of covers Revealed for Wolverine's fiftieth birthday coming up next oh, year. Oh yeah. All sorts of covers.
0: Wolverine all over the homages.
1: The Infinity Gauntlet homage. Mm-hmm. Really cool. One of my favorites. Especially the uh some of the Spider Man homages where he's like uh, walking away from the suit <laughs> or like the green goblin, but it's Sabretooth. tooth. Some really good stuff.
0: It's cool when artists get to have fun with stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And then in a not-so-X-Men update, Spider-Man 2, the video game, released. <laughs> and I have been saving New York City ever since.
0: <laughs> One thwip at a time. One
1: thwip at a time. I mean, I'll I'll lead into it my personal news. I went to my first GameStop midnight drop of oh, a video yeah, game. Oh, yeah, you did. And I said before I left, I looked at Alicia very seriously. and I said, I'm not going to a midnight release for a video game to then come home and go to bed. You know that, right? Of course. You get that. I'm going to play the game I just waited up to get, Mm -hmm. which I then did until 3 o'clock in the morning and was very tired yesterday and passed out at night.
0: You know, it's okay.
1: It was for the good of the game. And seeing as we missed an episode, I'll also give uh, a story of... As we were walking through the streets of New York oh. to a party on Thursday night, the number of people that knew who I was as Loki and were extremely excited mm-hmm. and just could not contain themselves. Oh my God, it's Loki. Is that Loki? Look, it's Loki. I love Loki. Hey, Loki. Oh, Loki. Oh, look, Loki. Oh, Loki. <laughs> there is at least 15, 20 people. It
0: was so many.
1: It was so fun. I love that.
0: How about you? So good.
1: You got any personal news?
0: Okay, well, New York Comic Con personal news. I just have to talk about, you know, the shadow cat of it all. First of all, I had a goal because I knew it was very niche costume. So I had a goal that is not counting creators, not counting people I knew or people that knew I was going to be doing it. How, could I get three strangers to recognize my costume on the con floor? And I ended up with seven, mm-hmm. which was really cool. But I have to say – I'm really enjoying getting to know and spend more and more time at conventions with Joshua and Martha Casara because they are so kind and so fun and both hyped up that cosplay so hard. Like Martha was waiting. She was like I need to see this tomorrow. I'm so excited like on Friday. And Josh was like here for it. I did multiple like reenactment of Josh's images of of Shadow Cat. And the best for me was getting to go behind his table and recreate that cover with him that was so fun he like kind of suggested the recreation of the cover and he was like and i was like well who am i gonna do it with and he's like i don't know and i was like what about you and then like a minute went by and then i was like no seriously josh i want to recreate that cover with you right now and he was like what are you gonna do stand on a chair and i was like no just sit down and i'll come back there and he looked at his like handler and was like is it okay if she comes back here and he was like if i said no is that gonna does that even matter and i was like i would respect your authority and he was like it's fine so i'm back there and it was so fun it was so cool and martha was like art directing she was like no a little more sword on the right and it was really fun so and that picture is so cool and i'm definitely gonna have that printed and framed i actually got a message from a photographer that had taken a photo um of me at la comic-con as magic and i had been putting you know i hung up my new art and reconfigured my cosplay room a little bit and they responded to my story and they were like you need a wall of all the shots of like of your favorite like cosplay shots like, yeah. up and i was like yeah i definitely do i need to print some of those and get them up Other personal news is it's getting closer and closer to Halloween, which is my favorite. And I have a cauldron art project that I will be working on potentially later this evening so that I will have a full witchy setup in my Winifred Sanderson cosplay as I pass out candy to the children of the neighborhood. And I am thrilled.
1: Thrilled. Thrilled. She's here for it. Well, you know, after personal news, Mm -hmm. we go into the poll. But this week, the folks were kind enough to humor me for my data-driven purposes, and we have two polls. We have last week's poll and this week's poll. So last week's poll was between Wolverine and X-Men Red. I know your feelings. After a quick response, after reading them, Mm -hmm. what were the people's feelings?
0: Difficult. I feel as though the people did not side with me. But I'm going to pretend they did and say that Wolverine was the book of the week.
1: What's the percentage?
0: Mm, 57.
1: X-Men Red was the book of the week. Of course it was. With 84%.
0: Wow. Okay. Eighty-four. Yikes. Go home, Alicia. Go
1: home, Alicia. You don't know e-books.
0: I'm already home. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This week's books.
0: This week's books.
1: How many books were in the poll?
0: Well, let's see. Scarlet Witch, not in the poll. So, three.
1: Scarlet Witch was in the poll. Oh. (laughs) Why? I thought about it for a good long while. You look at that cover. How much Magneto is on there.
0: It's not a Krakoan book. It's
1: still got Krakoan ties. And the people responded. (laughs) Honestly, it was doing pretty well early on. Who won?
0: The Invincible Iron Man.
1: Wrong two for two, Cable
0: and Bishop
1: Children of the Vault won the Adventures yes! of
0: Cable and Bishop.
1: Which I'm so excited, I'm so just validated oh on how much I've been enjoying this series and how this issue in particular really resonated with people. I loved it. What was the percentage that Children of the Vault won this week's poll? 63. 41 percent okay number two was invincible iron man with 34 percent number three scarlet yeah, witch of course it was with number f- with 14 percent and number four Iceman with 11 percent gosh oh, darn it. i'm head. out of
0: touch i'm out of touch
1: not out of I don't touch have
0: my finger on the pulse of x-men comics this week
1: oh no we have two general questions.
0: Two generals.
1: Captain2Michael wants to know which mutants are unlikely friends. Kind of a kind of a big big thinker, right? Who would be a friend that we didn't know? So Michael is calling out Morph and Deadpool having a similar vibe. Mm. And Morph especially from the animated series and Deadpool. Yes. yes, I would 100% agree with that. Deadpool's not a mutant. I, right. will, I will add <laughs> that caveat just so we all know. Push his glasses up. <laughs> He's a mutate.
0: Who would be unlikely friends?
1: And it makes me think of the exterminators, right? Mm. I never knew those four were such good friends right. until that happened. And they were Bring just bonding. Bring me more exterminators. Yeah, that if you want something in this after the fall or Exterminators. Exterminators 2.0. Let's go. Full full run. No minis. Can I think of an answer? I feel like Nightcrawler and Wolfsbane would bond over their catholicism Mm. and their non-human forms i feel like that would have a lot of connection points to them i don't know if they'd necessarily be friends because of it but they would have a lot to talk about and share and i don't really know that they've been much on the same page together
0: interesting interesting my brain just keeps going to like who doesn't really interact but has a similar like power set. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, Destiny and Blindfold. Like together they would be interesting there because was, they're like the way they see the future is so different.
1: There was a are they related question mm. going around back in the day. Interesting. I would think that uh, Strong Guy and the Blob would get along. Oh, they would get be along.
0: BFFs.
1: For sure. This is a fun question. We'll think about it. Michael was also talking about, uh, he he gave us a combo mutant. Doorman, which is a a random Z-list mutant that he was talking about, he and I were talking about earlier. Doorman, Madrox, and Greycrow. Only need one to make an unstoppable army. Doorman has the ability to make doors, essentially, Mm -hmm. to teleport. Uh, Plus multiple man and Greycrow who can assemble tech into guns. That's insane.
0: That's great.
1: Vaderino asking a big question about, with all this Orcas stuff happening, other heroes acknowledging that they're the real bad guys, do we think Marvel is trying to better integrate the X-Men into the wider universe? They've always sort of been their own little island situation with occasional guest spots in other books every now and then lately it feels like marvel is really pushing to have them fully represented throughout all of their books to me this helps explain why the upcoming editor was chosen based on his reputation mm-hmm. what are your thoughts honestly i've been saying this for a couple weeks now i think or yeah. at least something along these lines that the threat of orcus started to intertwine with you have Phelong, who's now a big iron man villain. you have modok coming in from an anti-mutant perspective, Mm -hmm. but still his connection to the Avengers. A lot of people were saying like, hey, where's Ultron on this inner council of robots? Right. I feel like they have been setting this up ever since, especially the beginning of House of X and Powers of Ten, and the Dawn of X was so on its own, Mm -hmm. so secluded, except for the Fantastic Four making a couple of guest appearances. They've slowly been rebuilding this energy, this conversation of... And I don't I don't think we're gonna get a reset. I don't think that you can do that. But having it more integrated into the whole of the universe makes a ton of sense.
0: I think it has it has two sort of motivations. I think one is that the House and Powers storyline definitely reignited a lot of X-Men fans. And like the way that there were for it's it's good times and it's bad the interconnection of all of the x books over the last few years and the way that that has so sort of forced people to read so many books sure because they need to know all of the connections it's a very smart plan from like a marketing perspective to then integrate that into the wider marvel universe and take that sort of template of this interconnectivity and say like all right if we do more of this people read more books and the Boy. stories feel more like harmonious and that's a good that's a good play for us because it gives us fans who are getting to experience multiple characters so then like you have like let's just say right in this week alone we have or in the, this episode we had wolverine and captain america together so if you are a cap fan and you read this book now maybe you start reading wolverine or vice versa then we have like the scarlet witch and quicksilver's in there magneto's essence is in there we've got Iceman and Captain America, Captain of the Railways. Of the, yeah, so then Emma, Emma and Tony together, like that's a crossover. And Children of the Vault is its own us and own thing. Well, but, Children
1: of the Vault still connects to the broader worldscape right. too, and Orcus as this big bad threat.
0: So there's like that as far as the networks of comics and comic sales and comic fans go. But then I also think that for better or for worse, it definitely has to have some like subtle thoughts about the mcu and the idea that the inner workings if, if the mutants are more woven into the everyday marvel universe then that gives more sort of traction for them to be woven into the everyday marvel universe because although it was because they were owned by separate networks you have this mindset that the X-Men are completely separate from everything else and they operate separately and their worlds do not cross and we don't know about them in one world and vice versa. So now we kind of take that away from the comic fans who are the, you know, they're the the jumpstart for creating MCU fans.
1: And another similar connection on that point is the heroes backing Mutant Struggle. Mm -hmm. The fact that the heroes are like, oh no, no, we are all united in this anti-bigotry message which would be a great way to integrate them with the broader hero community of the MCU
0: and that's a really like powerful statement in like real world connection because you have ties to our real world where we have people who are subjected to this bigoted nature and you have nations or other people turning a blind eye to it because it's like not my chair not my problem right and when you have the superheroes saying no one deserves to be treated this way then hopefully that then sparks this like oh let me look at the parallels to this of my real life and it's like a it's a a diversity and inclusion statement Mm -hmm. right without being an official statement that's what it's doing it's saying that these characters who have often been referred to as the other are no longer just the other. They are a part of the Marvel Universe. They matter as a whole in the entire you know, world that we've created. Not just their stories when their stories are there, but we're all affected by the way that they're treated.
1: Big thoughts. Big feels. Yeah. Let's go. Mm-hmm. But time to I'm, I'm searching for a segue now oh it's just, let's just
0: talk about the, the infinity Comic. Infinity. let's hit it with that red root story
1: i love it so much and i'm angry every time i read it because it's not a physical comic
0: i know well let's just first of all before we dig deep into comics let's just say we're not digging deep into comics oh yeah
1: that's good we're
0: doing um a little bit more high level because we're playing catch-up and we have a lot of thoughts and questions from y'all which we love so in order to keep things tidy we're gonna do quick little summaries and some key points of the books so instead of our page-by-page analysis. Okay. All right. So the Red Root story. First of all, we're we're in Otherworld. We're at a Blythesville farm. Refinery. Yeah, refinery. And who is there but our good friend Moira? Yeah. Fun story.
1: Oh, well, sure.
0: I, we, t- we talked about this on uh, our Patreon episode, so some of you may already know this story. But um, I was sitting, I was reading the books, and – I was looking at Wolverine and it was Legacy House and all the different like things they've gotten that they have to auction off and I said, Oh, a Moira. they have a Moira. And Justin comes out of the kitchen and he goes, Oh, you read the unlimited comic? And sees them reading Wolverine and goes, Oh, uh, never mind. And I'm like, Okay, spoiler alert. But it's fine. Anyway, so Moira's there. She's like sucking the souls of mutants to fuel her farm and she wants to essentially use uh sunfire along with that and is also torturing redroot and using part of redroot's you know essence to get that secret ingredient that they need so they can you know do things like kill Jean Grey
1: yeah they're they're draining summoners of their life force essentially and then this this pile of bones that they just throw on top Sunfire, when he sees Red Root, is just all, like, I've been doing all of this. I've been traveling throughout, and she's right here.
0: And we have the moment where Moira kind of slaps him in the face with the idea of how long he has been gone, because he's like, you know. Oh, you don't know? He's fighting for mutants, and she's like, oh, no, no.
1: There aren't any mutants. So
0: sorry, baby boy.
1: You're the last X-Man.
0: That's it. We took care of those suckers already.
1: Written by Steve Fox and Steve Orlando. Art by Lynn Yoshi. Colors, first of Fuente Sujo. Letters, Travis Lanham.
0: PCs, Travis Lanham.
1: Where are you on this? I love it. I
0: love it. I love it. it. It's, it's, my it. It's, so it's my favorite.
1: It's my favorite X Men Unlimited arc. I say that a lot, but this this takes the cake.
0: It's very good. I'm sorry that it's not printed.
1: I'm upset continuously.
0: I know. know. So I said I'm sorry. They
1: gotta come out with it. They gotta be like, All right, Justin, we heard your complaints. We heard you shouting.
0: Should have said something to Jordan when you saw him.
1: I should have. i'll I'll send him a message (laughs) no i'm I'm excited your
0: last act as x-men editor please make it so the sunfire unlimited is printed
1: this was part four i think there's six Mm. generally there's six i think it was announced that there were six so two more that's exciting and we don't know how that's then going to come back into the fold Mm. because this has been tied in a lot more closely yes Are you ready to mention Magneto?
0: Magneto! Issue number three. Um, Let me give a ceremonial page turn noise for last week's issues.
1: This was all about I-Ray's backstory.
0: I loved this issue.
1: Just too much power!
0: Yes, so essentially I-Ray experienced uh, Magneto at his peak of villainy. And... uh, She used that to fuel her fire throughout her life and career as an evil villain.
1: And weaving that in through Magneto's history in this captive state, this mental Auschwitz as he's revisiting his family, himself as a child, the conscience of Xavier, and just gradually uncaging the inner monster that is within him. This was a really good story. Yeah. And really... Up to, I feel like every issue has gotten you more and more into it. The mm-hmm. first one you were out. The second yeah. one you were like, okay, the third one you loved.
0: Yes, I did. And
1: now it's ready to close it out.
0: Yeah, I loved it because I felt more connected to the story. Like I, I think the slow build in the beginning of Magneto trying to understand himself makes a lot more sense in knowing that I-Ray is kind of playing with his understanding of himself and saying this is who I understand you to be and this is who I need you to be and this is I've basically created myself in your likeness in my mind and that's why I call you my father because you know the end of the last issue she was like I'm your daughter Um, and she just wants him to be evil because she needs him to be evil which I think is interesting that it sort of justifies her villainy is right. like, well, I'm doing it because Magneto showed me the way. And if he changes his, you know, changes his tune and is no longer that way, then she probably has internal struggle of like, why am I this way? Like, what what is my motivation? Who my, am I? If my savior, if my mentor.
1: That's not down.
0: is not who he used to be.
1: Right. And then I'm just a weirdo who tortured a bunch of humans with robot parts. Right. And
0: Turned them into my own brotherhood. In Magneto's sisterhood. secret base. Yes.
1: Written by J.M.D. Mateus. Art by Todd Nock. Colors, Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters, Travis Lanham.
0: V.C. Travis Lanham.
1: Rochelle was one of the judges of the cosplay contest.
0: Oh, cool.
1: And that's where I learned how to say her name right. Hmm. Are you ready for Wolverine and Captain America? The best friends throughout time. Last minute Standing Part 2.
0: Yes.
1: This was fun. This I, was
0: so fun. I
1: enjoyed it. I, I did too. I really like where Wolverine is. I think the fact that we have this long-standing relationship between the two of them to take on this narrative beat of Orcus and, mm. and to really set up not just Orcus, but potentially closing out the Legacy House. I don't know yes. if we'll see them again, but uh, they kind of got taken down for the third or fourth time.
0: I liked getting to see, so essentially we, we learn a little bit about their past together, that they've 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 done this kind of fighting the bad guy together before, which I don't know if I've ever read or I knew, but makes sense because both they've old. both been around for a long time. Um, and they bond over their desire for Orcus to be taken down and
1: in different ways yes
0: and one of them wants to kill Orcus and the other one wants to bring orcas to justice but i really like there's a moment when wolverine is talking about how they sort of balance each other out and cap kind of keeps him from going too too crazy but wolverine sort of inspires cap to like let loose a little
1: yeah it was a good balance between the two, and I love the fact that we bring in Nick Fury at the end. So they are going to the Legacy House to recover all of these stolen artifacts from Krakoa. Yes. So basically, their mutant history, and they have them on this auction block, a ton of interesting, like almost like an X-Men search and find, where you have Forge's Krakoan suit, you have Professor Plod and Psycat, the Underwater suit out of Krikoan, but also Forge's battle suit. Emma's Boustier. Yes. Cyclops' visor. How
0: dare you? Magneto's, Magneto's helmet. Magneto's helmet.
1: And a Moira. The Moira referenced earlier from your story. And Wolverine's
0: Surfboard. Wasn't gonna mention that one, <laughs> but
1: yeah, of course it's there. Rage. I love the the page to shout out is Captain America doing his thing his way and Wolverine doing his thing his way. Mm. So Captain America just throwing himself into the thick of it, fighting through all of these bad guys as Wolverine pile drives through this ship to sink it from the inside. Mm. Which I just thought was beautiful and also just a really dynamic page to see the difference between the two.
0: Yes. I also would just like to say, Orcus slash the Legacy House. How dare you take those Hellfire Gala looks? They have a whole slew of looks, many of which belong to Emma and Storm. Rude
1: and, and Colossus. Don't you know that he works for you guys? Kind yeah, of.
0: Come on now. Um
1: it's it's really cool just the amount of interesting stuff that's Yeah.
0: Here. I thought this issue was really great and then I really enjoyed looking through the details of these images. It's like they took every single piece of inventory from the Green Lagoon, every cup.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to think about, and I think it was Warlion that pointed this out, of how how hard it is for Orcas to get any ground on Krakoa, Mm. as we've seen in Immortal X-Men, but then you have this, and then you have this week's Iron Man, and you see, no, they actually have been here. They have raided some things. Maybe Xavier's keeping them them at bay here and there, but some are getting through, and they are taking things.
0: I also thought it was really important that they brought up the fact that, yes, there is a Moira in a tube, but she is dead, and she doesn't have, like, because it does kind of put a dangerous thing out there to say like oh someone else could reset the timeline right. with her and they kind of very clearly say that's that's not possible but maybe you could like get her DNA or something
1: well so Blanchina was one of the people that called out needing an X-Men themed cert I spy uh, and not mm-hmm. another Moira clone burn it! Whispers <laughs> in Scarlet Witch no more resets mm-hmm. which I think is a feeling throughout yes but buckle up because I think we're going to see a little bit of alternate timelines over the next couple months
0: Oh, Jiminy Crickets.
1: Last Meet in Standing Part 3 is our Crickoan as we gear up to hang out with Black Panther in Wakanda.
0: Ooh, Wakanda. What
1: would you think? You loved it.
0: I loved it. I thought it was really fun. I mean, I liked it better than X-Men Red. It was my book of the week last week. Great. The action was great. The pacing was great. The unlikely friendship of Cap and Wolverine was really fun and really well-written, and I like the juxtaposition of their sort of fighting styles and their mindset, but the also mutual respect that they have for each other. Like, they know there's no changing the other person, and so it's not their ideal situation to work together, but they'll do it.
1: It's interesting because they do have a a storied past Mm -hmm. that has been visited, not only in (laughs) comics, but also in animation. X-Men Evolution had a story of... Wolverine and Captain America working together. And I'm reminded of the the new Avengers storyline where Cap could not take having Wolverine on the team because he's a murderer, because he kills, because Mm -hmm. he uses his claws to a degree that Cap does not agree with. Mm. Uh, Vaderino, wondering, how did the bad guys know Moira was a mutant? Shouldn't that be a huge secret? Only person I can guess is Shaw. Right. So, because they had the kind of stored Moira. Oh, right. Where did they get that intel? Maybe they raided Sinister's lab for intel. Well,
0: they said maybe you can mess with their DNA. Well, how did you know? How did they know? But maybe they already messed with the DNA.
1: Uh, They don't got that. The cowboys selling stuff.
0: (laughs) And then they read it somewhere.
1: They read it somewhere. They read. They read Immortal X Men.
0: No, they like read it in a journal or a diary of Sinisters, or like they found Moira's little notebook in a no place, or like they just know things.
1: Uh, Warline was pointing out. I think I mentioned this earlier. Uh, how do they get there? And this was last week before we got the Iron Man issue. But are we sure Orcus raided Krakoa's secret vaults and not Emma's wardrobe because of all the costumes? Mm. And then we go to Emma's wardrobe in Iron Man. Yes. Uh, He had some some notes about Percy's voice for Cap and how it doesn't ring true. Some of the specifics but it also might have led to what you were talking about, how they were bringing out a little bit of each other. Mm -hmm. But who knows? I thought this was really fun and would always, like like, like this tour of the Marvel Universe is a great way and then to cap the story with this epic versus Sabretooth, the villain of Wolverine's deep past that has been largely off the table for the Krakoan era actually delivering on that
0: yes I mean but he has Sabretooth has been he's been doing whatever we don't know he's been doing with his other selves sure
1: prepping for that birthday surprise as he said at the end of Sabretooth and the Exiles Last Mutant Standing Part 2 was written by Benjamin Percy art by Juan Jose Reap Colors, Frank D'Amarta. Letters, Corey Petit. This
0: is Corey Petit.
1: Lionel Francis U. and Romulo Forjardo Jr. on the cover. Are you ready to talk about X-Men Red?
0: Sure, yeah. Let's talk about it. X-Men Red.
1: I love this cover. We haven't really talked about many of the covers, but this one, it is these horsemen, good cover. this kind of gives me similar vibes to Apocalypse courting the Phoenix flame on his mm. arm from Immortal X-Men last issue.
0: This is what I'll say about X-Men Red. Death is still in love with Storm, and you can't tell me otherwise.
1: Sure. A lot of other people calling that out as well. That's right. So this was, I mean, first, I think, first actual appearance of Peter Corbeau in the Krakoan era. Oh. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but super excited to see him along with Craig of NASA as we do this kind of space transport with a side of therapy.
0: Yes, we've got some kids who come from a home that's been torn apart and we have some citizens of Iraqo who can relate to that feeling.
1: Yeah, as the feeling is all around them, war unleashing her fire, the burning, the the consideration of the Uranus trigger mm. is really what is the spine of this issue. Right. Will storm unleash the devastation that was already unleashed on this nation. So soon ago, like this wasn't a long time ago that that happened. The thing that Genesis is like throwing in her face about how divided and defeated and destroyed her people are after leaving for however long, right? And now you're considering bringing it back, and and she does the, I think you said it, the fine, I'll do it myself moment. Yes, I'll do it myself. The Thanos Thanos moment. Yeah, goosebumps. Walk away. Great reactions, great content from all the different horsemen.
0: Well, I like seeing that there are other characters too. You know, like Storm is doing what she's doing, but we've got the side team, Kobox there. We're picking up the the Uranus key, essentially. And I think it's cool that the key kind of like talks to whoever's holding it and like tempts you to use it. Like Uranus is like, don't you want to use me?
1: Right. Don't it, you want to do it? Kind of the... The data page that goes into it is talking about how it's not as simple to use as a gun, Mm -hmm. to just pull the trigger. You have to actually convince yourself that you want to use this. Yes. It's a thoughtful process, as it should be, because you're not pulling the trigger on one gun. You're pulling the trigger on devastation.
0: Right. It's very big.
1: But the the pestilence fight, the the famine just getting rocked by storm, and that lightning bolt coming down. Well the uh, just what
0: I was just going to say it's interesting the way that the siblings like the horsemen are sort of they're not super getting along and they kind of feel that each of them should be like I'm I could do this better than you I could do this better than you you know and and there's like this competition between them which I think is an interesting factor to look at as the war carries on like how
1: how can the family be divided? Right. And
0: like, how will that affect the fight overall?
1: Because the thing that is the, the love that is unspoken but is truly there as Pestilence tries to interfere between Death and Aurora, shooting this arrow at Aurora that Richard Ryder intercepts and just unleashing Death's fury for interfering. Right. To take down his sibling and to basically make peace with Aurora. And say well I guess I guess we're on the same side now mm-hmm. like I don't Question know. Mark?
0: I don't know. And I mean I know when I first said it when I was reading it I was like he loves her and you were like he loves the rules yes. and so you know there is this idea that he only did this because of the the rules of combat the rules of a challenge and that you know Pestilence was not following those rules, so therefore they should suffer.
1: Or is there something more? Is I this think it's is this both. the romance that was teased? And sorry, Craig, but Craig. you got nothing on Death.
0: I feel like it's a little bit of both. I feel like Death is a stickler for the rules and and upholds the honor of combat and a challenge, but also like could have didn't have to kill pestilence sure you know like that that is another level of questionable but also brings up or or ties to the point i was making about how the siblings are not getting along and it's causing a struggle like if you you already lost one of them now
1: right your numbers are depleting i didn't
0: realize that death takes his helmet off and like what's underneath i think maybe that was in a previous issue okay yeah and i was like ten of swords was a blur sure Sorry, what were you going to say?
1: The end. The unknown challenger stepping out of a portal and joining the fight. The three unknown challengers, right? So you have Apocalypse, his little daemon on his shoulder, and this shrouded, mysterious figure in the background. Who could it be? I translated that on site. Apocalypse.
0: Apocalypse.
1: Ready for it. What'd you think about this? So you were not a fan, or at I least not was... as much a fan as Wolverine.
0: I think. Well, first before I before I get into that, hit me with the credits for this one.
1: Written by Al Ewing, art by Yildieri Sinar, colors Federico Blee. letters Ariana Maher. V.C.
0: Ariana Maher.
1: And we do have a we do have a second story here that we haven't mm. talked about, Scales and Shadows, written by. Rafael Dracón and Carolina Munoz, art by Marcelo Costa, colors Felipe Sebrero, letters also by Ariana Maher. He sees Ariana Maher. The cover was Stefano Casali and Jesus Arbertov The Fall of Prometheus was our, our main story title. Mm. So let's talk about it. We got some yes, questions. Yes. We got some points.
0: Let's talk about it and then maybe do a quick recap of the secondary story, the back, the backstory.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs>
0: So so I would say that I, I enjoyed the story. And actually going back and talking about it with you, I, I enjoy it more when we break down like what are the bare bones and the key points of the story. But it was the, the data pages that are so hefty. Sure. And I don't know. I just – I wanted a little bit more action or a little bit more progression in the war.
1: I just – I thought this – I thought a lot of the war leading up to this point was a little slow putting the pieces where they needed to be and that this was the acceleration. This was actually moving some of the big fighters around. Storm cleaning house left and right.
0: And Apocalypse coming in at the end. I mean, there there are two hefty data pages and I don't know what it is. I just know that I read them. Bing, bang, boom. One, two, three. And when I finished, I was like, oh, X-Men Red didn't do it for me as much as I enjoyed Wolverine. So I think it is less about the context and more about the fun of the read for me. Like, I think this did really big things for that story, but just didn't read as smoothly or as fun for me as the Wolverine story did.
1: Well, it's also a bigger story, I'd say, right? And so that brings some complexities in it with itself. How are you managing all these different bits? I mean, the the side story the backup story the sharks and sons they uncover the serpent society and fighting the urges of the shark side discovering the truth of what they're doing and manipulating people and
0: yeah it was fine it was fine it was fun just to get to i i don't have often experience with shark girl yeah yeah, yeah. so to get to you know know that character a little bit more was was good
1: yeah Blanchina loved all the horseman action. Glad to see, glad we got to see Famine uses powers. Also glad he and War are still still alive. I'm so invested in the OG Four and bummed to see Pestilence go. But Mm -hmm. don't come between an Iraqi and their challenges, okay?
0: Okay. It's
1: true. Michael is loving the Genesis War each issue. He thinks Big Daddy A is going to put Vulcan back into play
0: oh shoot
1: i mean that's that's a big omega that's been sidelined and you can't just leave that and end the story you right?
0: think that's who the cloaked figure is i don't
1: know I'm, but Warlion agrees is it just me or is apocalypse going to free vulcan i don't know if that's vulcan in the cloak someone had said maybe it's richter i'm not sure how oh interesting because you know they have partnership a past sure now. yeah interesting exciting mm. Rob Ambrose thought Storm was awesome in this issue of, of X-Men course. Red. And she was. I mean, she is just the powerhouse. The the battle between her and war, but mm. what ha- Like, It's about versatility, not power. Yeah. And just the snap. Ooh. <laughs> yes, yes. Connor 1.0 enjoyed Storm saying, we are not the same yes. to Uranos. And then walking the talk is why I love strong ex-women
0: yes it's very true she doesn't just like say something and then do something she backs it up she backs uh, that up whatever she says she will do and she will do it with integrity
1: mike loves mariah carry x-men red and children of the vault best of the pile you want to talk about who's got a pulse of the vote let's talk to mike let's get an idea
0: (laughs) you want to have mike on the show instead of me Stop it. <laughs>
1: Just kidding. JP Ditto Massa wonders if we think Storm will use the trigger and summon Uranus for an hour. I don't know, I think that this was the temptation that would have pushed her. I feel like having unleashed that full page at the end of last issue. That was like the the height of the threat. Yeah. If there was a time to use it, it would have been now, and I don't see it. Depends on where Apocalypse goes. Depends on who he's backing, and I know that that's going to be a difficult thing because we know how he feels about Genesis's strategy and right. the influence from the Helm. That was a big part of the conversation. Is yeah, who are you following, your mother or the Helm?
0: Right. I mean, I am thinking. I agree with you. If Uranus was going to be used in this war, it would have happened here, and I would just much rather see Uranus go destroy Orcus.
1: Sure. Orcus, the phalanx,
0: the the phobos.
1: Phobos, yep.
0: Take down that phobos base.
1: Edward III didn't think things could get more intense in X-Men Red, but man, Storm unleashing Death's turn and the return of you know who. Ewing is building a massive event in the Genesis War and it's true. Mm-hmm. You know what what felt almost like a side story when everything was building to the height with the Hellfire Gallant, now has continued into its own epic.
0: Right. Well, that's good because that's what I was worried about when you it sure. started building before the Hellfire Gallant. Thought that it was, it was gonna just wrap. gonna go like, okay, boop, that's over now, and I'm glad that it's not. And it's interesting how it has its own life, yet there is this like lingering feeling of ah, but what's happening on Earth with Arako, and then this idea that every time someone needs to send a mutant to safety, their thought is to send them to. Araco but Araco is a war-torn yeah. place now. So it's it's really pulling on the idea that mutants are being hit from every front and not just by one enemy. Yeah. So it's and, setting the stakes really high.
1: And building a really interesting world narrative, a world's narrative, I guess you'd have to mm. call it because we're on multiple planets, that you have a fully tended and building story on Araco with Apocalypse being somewhat of a connection to Immortal X-Men. We know that that's not our Apocalypse. Right. But how is that going to play in further down the line? And just, I love it. I look. Mm-hmm. it. Betorino calling out Death. Definitely the most interesting character of the original Horseman. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy to see this about face. I actually really enjoyed the Birdo Shark Girl mini. I hope she shows up in red proper soon. hmm and i I would agree i'm here for more shark girl yeah otherwise the whole serpent society offshoot like i don't even think i read it the first time i just kind of (laughs) like flipped through it
0: you're like this is this is the comic
1: yep i i like shark girl yeah and super excited to see her fleshed out as a character gilbert rojo 1022 loves death Mm -hmm. exclamation points do we think that we have found our match for storm Mm. I mean, I
0: love them together. Yeah. I love them when they were dancing. I'm here for it.
1: Oh, you remember that detail from Ten of Swords? Yes, of course I do. <laughs> John's comics with Wonder and the same thing, Will Storm and Death start a romance.
0: Yes, they have already started it. It's it has a, already begun. It's a it just on pause now. Let's like, bring it back.
1: Extreme Vortex, asking the real question. They want to know when Lactuka is going to start throwing hands.
0: Yeah, let's Be- go,
1: Lactuka. I mean, they removed themselves from the board. Right. Essentially because they knew that if... They're like a Iska-type threat. Right. Right? You have them on your side, and it goes whichever way they go.
0: Yeah, what is Iska up to? Just still sitting in their little section of Arako, just being like, don't mess with my stuff?
1: Anybody that seeks refuge can have it in her mountains. So she is creating a third option. She is Mm -hmm. abstaining from the battle. So that's what it means to be able to choose. I think that was a big narrative at the end of her story, Mm -hmm. which I think is kind of interesting. I I love the Iraqi. Yeah. It was um, Dave Busing from Comic Book Herald that said, all right, fine. You want to bring the mansion back? Put it on a Rocco. I was like, (laughs) yeah, let's do that. Because it's been other places other than Westchester. It's been in Limbo. It's been in Central Park. Limbo? Yep. It was Mm. short-lived and not great.
0: Unfortunate. (laughs) That's
1: all we got for last week's comics. But that was a hearty bit. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about this week's comics. Scarlet Witch starting us off.
0: Well, this cover is interesting because we have many iterations of Scarlet Witch and Magneto. And I recognize the House of M right off the bat. Um, But we've got, you know... Them throughout the ages, which to me is interesting because we're, very, we're making it very clear that Joseph is not Magneto. Sure. So,
1: but I think a lot of the trust that Wanda puts in him comes from the memories that she has of her father figure
0: Mm, interesting and
1: that is why she got duped at the end of this issue and joseph revealed his true colors whether or not it is a manipulation from this hex finder big bad i don't know yes this issue entirely felt like the plot points that we didn't have time for like there was a pivot Mm. this was not going as well as we had hoped we're going to go into a four-issue mini. Here are some things that we might have gotten full stories of, right? If it had con- consisted or continued longer, because we do kind of like this montage of threats as Wanda and I don't know how you pronounce this other name, Oysif? O- Oysif?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, first ceremonial page turn noise for all of this week's books. Sure. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and I think it's kind of, like, messed up that this new version of Oisif, Yosef, whatever his name is, Joseph, is like, oh, I, ne- I didn't know what it was like to have a sister, but now I do, and, like, let me follow you along on all your little adventures, Wanda, and, like, makes jokes and then is just, destroys. So, yes, we get, we get the tour of the town, and, uh, I don't know, the Enchantress... Is that what she is? No. The hex finder? She's interesting. I want to know, I guess, the history. Like, why do hex finders hate witches so much? That's just their that's their thing. Yeah, They're hex finders. They find they you. They find take hexes. you down. And, yes, she's been thwarted. But the way that it happens oh, yeah. where he's like, oh, Darcy, let me see that little mysterium ball let me see what i can find out and then it's just like i turned it into a blade and i cut off your fingers wanda i was like oh snap
1: yeah it was intense uh i think it's it's big how they're building mysterium across several books as this large threat that messes with a handful of different folks
0: yes and we do get a, a little side story in the back which is just sort of a tale of Wanda and a student at the Strange Academy. Who, I like this. The student gets in a little. Yeah, me too. A little bit over their head. Takes a book off a shelf they shouldn't have. Gets sucked inside the book. Has to battle a demon. Wanda's there to help, and you know, says, "Good job, kid. Don't touch my books next time." Yeah. And I'm, of it. I'm a big fan of the little bits of Strange Academy that I have read. So I think that that was a fun, a fun little story. I like getting to see Wanda in this like mentor. Role.
1: You know who has every issue of Strange Academy?
0: We do.
1: We do. Just saying. This is written. Add
0: it to my surgery list. There
1: you go. Written by Steve Orlando. Art by Lorenzo Tometa and Sarah Picelli. Lorenzo will be the artist on Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, or Scarlet Mm. Witch and Quicksilver. I can't remember which one's which. Colors, Frank William. Letters, Corey Petit.
0: PC's Corey Petit.
1: Russell Dodderman on that cover, that Mm -hmm. beautiful cover throughout the ages. Uh, Let me get the credits of our backup story because it's different. Written by Juan Ponce. Art by I.G. Aguara. Colors, Triona Farrell. Letters again, Corey.
0: V.C.'s Corey Petty.
1: Just V.C.'s Corey. (laughs) Petty. What'd you think?
0: It was an interesting plot twist. But not really a plot twist. Um, because we knew that Joseph we knew in we the had last seen in back right. issues. We knew before Wanda knew. I like the way the moment it was done. Yes. The reveal of that moment was good and to have that contrasting with their kind of
1: bond, bond sesh, that's yeah.
0: forming in the beginning was great. You know, there were some cool moments throughout all those individual stories, but uh, honestly, I that, didn't really need them.
1: Yeah. I I enjoy Scarlet Witch. I think more than you do as a title. Mm-hmm. I felt like the little montage was kind of unnecessary. You know, it, it fast tracked their feelings of connection, which was good to then turn, which right. we were aware of. Right. Right. I I think this is. You know, we're looking at Iceman next. I prefer Scarlet Witch as a story.
0: Yes, I do too. And I think. I mean, I enjoyed it. Right. Like I always enjoy Scarlet Witch when I'm reading it. It's just much lower stakes than I think I was expecting when I first went into the book. And I I have to assume that with the number of issues that are left of of the Scarlet Witch story that... One. Right. That they they needed this issue to build us up to that main thing. And so they had to put this other stuff that they weren't going to get to in order to fill the issue. So there's like... That kind of like how are we negotiating what we have in space with storytelling and still giving you this like these little mini stories. What I did think was interesting was that we've generally gotten a like every issue is someone who comes through the door that Mm -hmm. she helps. And all the things that she did to go and like the, the life of a Scarlet Witch, like all of those were outside the door, outside the door. Those were. Instances where she went to help other teams, other people across the Marvel Universe. Um,
1: I believe Hex Finder came through the door, though. Indeed, Which yes. was an interesting twist on what should be the helpful nature of the door, or mm-hmm. at least setting Wanda up so that she can be... And I think that that, as a theme, has been twisted throughout the arc, right? You had that one guy with the Wizard of Oz yes. nonsense. That was fun. And
0: the idea that she was like, Wanda was like, but I thought it was like only people who had nowhere else to turn turn, and Hexfinder was like, Yeah, you're the last witch I need. Yeah. So there's nowhere else for me to
1: go. I can I can play with your spells just as much as you can. Hedda Dabbler wonders if Wanda will use her jar demons to free Hexfinder's witch cubes. Right? So Hexfinder Ooh, yes. was kind of entrapping various people into these cubes so now we've got trinkets on either side mm. to fight i think that'd be a fun way to pay off all of that buildup.
0: for sure yeah
1: vaderinos saying joseph is very fun in this new role him and wanda is a weird but cool direction to take the character and especially with that about face at the end mm. ah yeah Yosef. i mean
0: I, I do like that he was like Getting his own personality, his like appearance was shifting so they didn't look like Magneto, like he was becoming his own self, which yes. is interesting. Yes, and Separating then, himself from the one he is a clone of.
1: The one he wears the face. Eagle's Waterboy is really into the Scarlet Witch series, but this week's comic kind of let me down. Which I think that that might have been because of what we were talking about, mm-hmm. right? We have a lot of plot that had been set up to play out over an undetermined amount of run Mm -hmm. that has been shortened and is now pivoting as a title.
0: I will say that the art never fails. Oh, yeah. The art never fails.
1: Warline is excited that Luna Maximoff is back. Mm -hmm. Luna, who is Pietro's daughter, who we see in that conversation with Wanda on the rooftop. I think that was a great thing. A little reference to Lockjaw while we're there. China, when he saw... Joseph's true colors, all caps. Kill the betrayer. Blood must have blood.
0: (laughs) That's right.
1: Yes. Yes. You
0: are one crew, or you are the enemy of one crew.
1: Choose. Choose. From one Steve to another. Ready for Iceman?
0: Iceman. (laughs) I mean, so. Iceman and Captain America of the Railways. Yeah.
1: I like this cap.
0: He's fine. He's cool.
1: He's gotten some upgrades that I was unaware of, and that was cool to see and explore. But this Mr. Clean versus everyone is intense.
0: Yes, I do think it's interesting, right? So... Mr. Clean, we saw him get prepped in another issue to go after Iceman, and so my question is, do you think he went after these want wannabe mutants, the Y-men, yep. as a way to lure Iceman out? 100%. Yeah. So this is interesting. We have this, this group of people who are not quite mutants, but have given themselves mutant powers, being attacked, and... On the flip side of things, we have Bobby and Romeo really talking about the strides that Bobby has made in being able to be fully himself, and that he's appreciative of what Romeo has given him up until this point, but he's getting stronger and stronger on his own, so Romeo doesn't really need to worry as much. Bobby goes out. He fights against Mr. Clean, and, you know, he he has some low points. He has some lows, but then he has some highs, and... He comes out on top, even though Romeo has, you know, tiny panic attack while it's happening. And uh he, he sort of he disappears and leaves these Y men on their own and the Mr. Clean is getting in trouble with Orcus because they're like, You had one job. He didn't do and it. You didn't do it. And he's like, yo, yo, yo. I'm
1: playing the long game, up. baby. Don't worry about game's me. game's not over. I think that the needle bombs was a mm. interesting twist. Don't worry, I got something else. I'm tracking Bobby. In a big way. Spider-Man and Feral on our last page, that was an interesting reveal.
0: Yes. And what you're saying about tracking Bobby, right? Bobby and Romeo are having this conversation where Romeo is worried that someone's going to be, someone's going to find the their base. Like the source of the power, the thing that gets Romeo to be able to keep Bobby around. And Bobby's like, nah, nah, nah. No one's ever going to find it. But, hmm. Yeah. Is that real?
1: We get an interesting data page about the melt times and how Bobby is getting stronger in his ability to be outside of his base and potentially setting up what will happen in the finale that either he's going to be freed from this constraint Mm. or he's going to die. I'm not sure.
0: I'm not sure. Because we're not
1: really clued in either way.
0: It seems like he is becoming more... Of a solidified entity and less of like the essence of his soul, the stronger he gets. So it's like he's on his way to being fully regenerated, I think. We'll see. Also, though, um, warlock looking feral.
1: Yeah. Like that was that was the he... most exciting. I think. Just warlock looking feral as a tie to Uncanny Spider Man and seeing Spider Man. I mean, yes, I feel like course. those two points were like, okay, cool. This last page I'm excited about.
0: Is this a person that Spider-Man was talking to in the Uncanny Spider-Man issue or just like happens to be? I just felt like this person looked similar to like a stranger on the street that maybe Nightcrawler and Spider-Man were talking to. I don't know. The
1: random civilian, I think, is just a random civilian. Just
0: a random civilian.
1: So it's interesting. So Derby Comics, who is someone that we recently followed on the podcast on Instagram, they captured so much of how I've been feeling in a little Mm. blurb about... You know, like, I want to like this comic. I enjoy it to a degree, largely feeling repetitive from issue to issue. Yes. And it just—it's the amount of, oh, I love you so much, you can't keep on pushing yourself. Fight this villain, come back. Mm-hmm. I love you so much, you can't keep pushing yourself. Fight this villain, come back. Like, there's no, there's no newness added to Bobby's story. Right, he's not
0: discovering anything he's, new about himself. There's
1: not like what, what is the goal at the end of this series? Right. Is it just like, hey, we, we can carry an issue a couple times? Or and- is,
0: like, is he slowly, because it's like, all right, now he was around for 21 minutes and 34 seconds, and they say he's clawing back to full time existence. In That's order a- for Orcus's mission to succeed, we must deny him that. So is this entire story just the way that he gets back to being alive?
1: Which, so comparatively, Gene Gray's miniseries, right? right? So, so now you have two miniseries kind of doing the same thing. Undoing something that happened at the start of this arc, I don't. I, I think Jean Grey's doing it in a much more interesting way, revisiting her past, giving us some random what-ifs, and especially exploring the character relationships. I don't think that there's anything of depth being revealed in the Romeo and Bobby relationship other than the fact that they love each other and that love is so strong that Romeo was able to bring Bobby back to life. I think that that's great. Right. But it is captured in the line or two of dialogue that we get in this issue.
0: Right. It's interesting because I feel like the comparison to the Jean Grey mini is, it's rough because I wonder if the Gene Grey mini wasn't happening and we weren't having two stories where essentially a character that died at the gala was being brought back to life, like if we would feel differently about Iceman or, or if we would not. You know, is the comparison detrimental to the story? And and then you like okay, I try to see them each in their own entity. But the repetition for me, that's that's a really good point, and that's exactly how I was feeling. It's like okay, but what is new? Like in this story, we did get the fact that he is able to sustain himself longer and longer. He's able to you know he's getting stronger and stronger, and. In some of that we see like in the battle he's able to use more things, like use more powers and explore his Omega side. But I just feel like it's it still feels too like Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. And I know that not every book is for every person. And and one thing that I praise the X-Line for is – having a variety of genres and having a book that speaks to everybody and, and the type of story that they like and so I'm sure there are people who are really interested in and invested in this but for the way that Bobby died and even it in this so much, like yeah. for him to for,
1: for Mr. Clean to also have molecular napalm to right. just throw that in and it's like hey yeah we're gonna bring that back
0: well because Orcus has it right sure. he's working with Orcus but, but... I,
1: I just feel like in the same way that this series undercuts that death Mr. Clean having that now as a commonplace weapon undercuts how impactful it it was that Nimrod did it.
0: Right. And I was like, okay, I have mixed feelings because on one hand, it does show that Bobby's getting stronger and he's dealing with things differently by the way that he acknowledges the last time this happened. I let the pain and the fear consume me and, and then this thing took over my body and then I died. And this time I'm going to alter that. But the way that he just chops his leg off and that was it. Yeah. I was like, ooh, that just feels like the stakes are not high enough. Like, this is the thing that completely destroyed him that was horrifying. That was one of the most gut-wrenching moments of the gala. Like, he was calling out for his mom. Like, you know? And and he just takes his leg off and then hits Mr. Clean with it. Yeah, I just, like, I, it wasn't... It's not hitting right for me. And that's
1: unfortunate. Yeah. Blanchina is so over this Iceman mini. But also, why can't we... Why can't gay Captain America have his own title?
0: <laughs> I mean, he is adorable. Right? He's so adorable. My- I like his overalls.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's interesting. So we're talking about, you know, so Bobby has a love story here. He is in his own title. A lot of comparisons are being drawn to Bobby's last solo, mm. where he did have a lot more exploration of character and motivation and really leveling with so. I don't want to say, oh, it was so much better. And this feels like it's not doing anything. But because of the proximity of release mm. and because that being his last solo, they're getting compared of a lot. course, yeah. And one is not living up to the other.
0: Yeah. Well, you think how many strides in character Bobby has had to like, okay, that many. And then the way that they were like exploring his, um, his sexuality in the Unlimited series and the way that they... We're exploring his Omega powers and like the, the leveling up that he's been doing. That's why I'm saying the like Saturday morning cartoon vibe feels like you're downplaying all sure. the work that's been done to build this character up that people are feeling seen in this character who is so strong and powerful now and, and people identify with. And now it's like feels like a joke.
1: Yeah. you kind of like trapped. Like, like the only one that's taking Iceman seriously is Orcus. Right. Michael loves Mariah Carey. Is interested to hear what we think about Iceman, hmm. and I think we Maybe just said it. <laughs> oh, Told you. Uh, sorry. Vaderino was not a fan of Iceman, but I appreciate the return of the weird napalm stuff as Bobby's kryptonite. Give us some proper stakes, and I think mm. that's what we're talking about, yeah. right? It just, the stakes don't feel like they're high enough here,
0: right? And I think part of it is Bobby's attitude. Like yes. he goes into everything, and he's like, "I got this. It's fine. I got this. It's fine," and it's like. I I can see how that ties to the growing strength of him as an Omega mutant and like how he's grown his confidence over the last couple of years. And I feel like that does track in a way. But it's – I don't know. I don't know what it is because it's hard because I think about it and I'm like, okay, how was he written in other books? And he does tend to have this like carefree – That's always like his character. Flare. Yeah, yeah, And so I just think it it just doesn't have – he, he's not getting hit down the way, you know, like even when he gets hit, he just bounces immediately back and he has he has not a lot of roller coaster in how he's mm-hmm. feeling. And so then for me, it feels like, why are you so happy all the time, man? Like mutants are destructed. Just mutants vibing. are being destroyed. Counten- countlessly I'm just, I'm just but... hanging
1: out. I got my own palace. Yeah. It's funny that Vaderino calls it the kryptonite as Superman also has this palace in ice. Mm-hmm. You know, interesting connections. Darren is just a teacher. It feels like Iceman is stuck in a loop. I hate it, but dread that he's dead. And this is a swan song.
0: You know what I will say? I will say Steve Orlando is great at writing things that I did not see coming at all. Sure. So we've got it, we've got an issue left. Maybe there's some crazy twist that's going to happen at the end that's going to make us all feel like this makes so much more sense.
1: Maybe I'm
0: trying. I'm I'm trying to be fair and positive and equitable here. You know, like let's look at it from all perspectives. What's the strong point? He, he pulls. He pulls a twist you don't see coming, and he knows his deep cuts. So maybe there's something. There's something there that we've all been missing.
1: Maybe, but maybe it's just time for Iron Man.
0: It yeah, it is. <laughs> so time for Iron Man. Uh. Emma, Emma, get it, get it, Emma. listen Iron Man and Emma Frost as like a they are a dynamic duo but like this is not love Get over it okay you get over it
1: I am over it I'm happy with the story I'm happy with how well they work off each other I'm happy with how much Tony cares about Emma
0: I'm happy with it
1: and I'm happy to say that this is the most exciting I've ever been to read Iron Man stories
0: yeah I mean I, I'm loving it I get hyped
1: yeah i mean the the title page is the first one so we'll get the credits out early uh, the honeymoon is over written by jerry duggan guest artist andrea devito colors brian valenza letters joe caramena he'll knew on the cover the little chess motif
0: um let me just say shout out to this guest artist I loved the art in this. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like, thought this was great. Let's go. Emma looking for life.
1: Right? She's killing it in this wig. Mm-hmm. The honeymoon. <laughs> let's get it on your armor. Like, yes. Some great jokes.
0: Yes. And- They're going to Hawaii because of the proximity to Krakoa. It's
1: all a ruse to set up Tony's retrieval mission as he's like seeing- this angle of Krakoa with the stark sentinels all around it as mm-hmm. Tony sneaks into the White Palace.
0: I just like... I love Emma being like, let me just order a craps in a room service so I can just sit here and eat food and lounge Fabulous. while you're out there doing something that I'm telling you is probably not a great idea.
1: Yeah. The, just the incoming Orcus ape and the look that oh you can kind of God. tell that he is aware of Tony's presence from the start.
0: Yes. Yeah, this like... He Over the shoulder, does, like, yeah. The side eye, like, what was that? And then the moment when Tony is in the room and you see the ape in the mirror, as Emma's like, Are you sure that ape can't see you?
1: So, because Emma, through the glasses she has on, can see everything that Tony can see. Mm-hmm. So she is seeing likely this reflection. Tony's here in Emma's room in her palace, trying to find this reserve of mysterium. And the verses that occurs as this ape with a PhD or multiple PhDs mm-hmm. throws down on Tony, not Tony. And
0: I'm, I love that the apes with the PhDs are back. Yeah, it's so good.
1: It's ridiculous because I mean that has been something that Jerry played with a couple issues ago in X-Men mm-hmm. as they are the creators of the Wolverine Sentinels. I'm and also that's great.
0: Living for Emma's closet. And like all her all her things lined up with all her boots, and the fact that she knows exactly, she's like, it's a chest with a pair of white boots on top. Like yep. I know my space, I know where everything is. And then you know, also seeing her have to deal with the fact that she's she's looking back at her home, and it's no longer her home. When she like at one point says like, oh my my residence or my former residence is right. on the top floor, you know. This this is probably difficult for her but she's she's fighting through.
1: Well in the same way when Tony finds the chest with the mysterium and sees the book from the cuckoos and the emotional reaction that she has about like no I right. that's evidence that would tie us yes. to having been there that's only going to make things more complicated.
0: Right and if anyone ever found that they would know that that's Emma because why else why would Hazel. why would Hazel Hellfire have this? Right and I just tell you, one of my favorite pages of art is this page where Tony is just getting like destroyed by this ape with a PhD and Emma's just in the top corner just sipping champagne, being like, I told you so.
1: I did tell you this would be a disaster. I know, Multiple I know.
0: PhDs, <laughs> sips, drinks. It was great. Yeah, it was really great. In the end, though, Tony does make it out with the Mysterium And
1: constructs himself a cane. Mm. So he has been playing possum to Phalong and to Wilson. Seems like Phalong was close to discovering it, especially with the ape. But the ape Mm -hmm. died in this battle. Fisk over the shoulder with his angry face. I don't know if he is aware of the fact that Tony is up to something. Mm. Right. The, The secret lab behind the the sex room in yes. the Hellfire Club, as Tony gets some input from some Avenger friends to test out this new material.
0: I love it. Carol can't break it.
1: Doctor Strange Doctor can't G- do anything magical to it.
0: But my favorite is the Spider-Man interaction. Yes. First of all, the just sheer excitement of Peter to be involved in this conversation you at know, all.
1: Nobody thinks about me as a science guy, but yeah, I am a science th- guy. Th- th- I really am. I can do experiments. What do you have me to do? Close your eyes.
0: Close your eyes. I'm gonna Whack.
1: swing at your leg. And, and, and
0: I love the like, oh my god! And then the wait a minute.
1: That didn't set my off my spider sense. sense didn't yeah. feel
0: that coming.
1: Uh, Blurred without fear on Twitter, calling it out. Iron Man is about to be a whole problem for everyone. Oh. This new suit that he's going to have that it's basically invincible to all of these he's things. He's going to go to his head real quick. Yeah. And I had commented back that this should be tops on the list of things that Emma gets when Hazel divorces him. Yeah. She gets the suit. Right. Well, there, that's it's mutant metal, buddy. Yeah. It's not yeah, yours. that's not yours. Just because you with it. I
0: let you borrow that. Yeah. Um. I do think it's interesting because right, we're we're reading this as Tony has written it from the future. Like and sure, so he right. makes the comment of saying, Oh, well, at the trial, blah blah blah. And I'm like, I'm like, What trial? At trial. What are you talking about, Tony? Yeah. What that, trial? That's,
1: that's Jerry having used this device of the autobiography throughout the entire run ever since issue one. Yeah, it's so really you, good. You hadn't read the first like four or five issues I right. Think. There was a few that I missed, yeah. yeah. It might be worth going back. I don't know. I
0: like this. This also, this moment of like, I'm glad my sinister signal. Like, the whole Spider Man interaction
1: it was ridiculous. was
0: ridiculous. All the, actually, all the individual interactions I yeah, really like. They're Do- fun. I like Doctor Strange being like, dude, you don't know what this is. Yeah. You're like,
1: you're messing with like, stuff beyond your kin.
0: Just so you know, like, take a breath before yeah. you go crazy right now, Tony. And Tony's like, nah, I'm going to go crazy. Ironheart returns, though.
1: Next, Ironheart returns. I think I think we're both talking about Thanksgiving with the Resistance. <laughs> which I think I love this cover with the two of them just destroying the Stark Sentinel.
0: Yeah, well, you also you get the little nod that it is it is Halloween because outside the Hellfire Club there are little jack o' lanterns on the stage. Sure,
1: yeah, Jerry loves playing off the time of the year, as we saw with the uh, Halloween issue with the the, the headless. Horseman cover, mm-hmm. right? The the Christmas issues around with the Secret Santa and, and yeah. even Dark Web.
0: I actually, as just a side note about Emma, I when we went to the Women of Marvel panel and they like showed, oh, we're, we this is our podcast and these are the things we talk about. I actually started listening to the podcast about Emma Frost and it was really cool to like hear some of the things about her because like she's in diamond form on that cover for the next issue Mm -hmm. and to like talk about how she comes out of genosha with her secondary mutation of her diamond form and they like talk about the idea that like she was a a person who was like crushed down Mm -hmm. and like crushing down is what forms a diamond and like that was super cool and then they have um a like fashion person like talking about Emma's fashion who knows nothing about comics and like really going into the way that like her fashion represents like um her power and the like masculinity of it all and and like I just thought it was super cool so if y'all haven't listened to that just go give the women of Marvel podcast a listen because I was like super excited I was like I'm getting super great Emma content right now and then getting to like read her and have another understanding of her because they talk about stories of her that I haven't read and like moments of her past and makes me want to read things like I want to read um Leah Williams wrote like a Yep the uh what is Dark it? Dark X-Men I think it's or, like uh, Bla- Black X-Men, X-Men Black. Black yep. Yeah. And I was like, Woo I gotta read that. Add it to my list. Yeah. Sorry, little tangent.
1: JP Masso, wondering if we think Tony truly left the book on Krakoa, or did he take it to eventually give as a gift to Emma? Oh
0: god, that dummy probably took it.
1: So, you there is a detail where he gives Stephen Strange a wrapped package.
0: <gasps> he does for and he safekeeping. says hold on to that book for me.
1: I believe that that's the book. Oh As does Warlion, thinking that Tony getting the journal for Emma, even though she didn't want it, was cute. That said, Mysterium doesn't make any sense. Doctor Strange (laughs) just got stabbed with it, and before that, he used it against Dormammu. There's a lot of unknown with Mysterium. Yes. As it's continuously getting defined, and a lot of people want to play with it. We'll only see what will happen when it will happen. What
0: are the rules when there are no rules? Yes. But yeah, that's interesting. I'm like hopeful... That, that doesn't come back to bite him but yeah, it's under
1: strange's <sighs> protection
0: okay sure
1: sure sure rem springer loves how orcus is an anti-mutant legion of doom they even have a grod mm. right talking ape man mm. working against the heroes Blonchina wants to know if there's going to be a new court or is kingpin just the new face slash running everything and theory update, Destiny's vision of two kings fighting has to be Kingpin and Shaw, right? Mm. The white and black.
0: Or Kingpin and Tony. Right. So that that's Tony where is Tony King. is now, right? Right.
1: And Shaw looking more and more like Tony with his suit.
0: Right. Well, here's the thing that's like interesting to me. So is it is it Shaw and Tony? Is Shaw fighting for his spot back? Um, what's interesting to me is because I was listening to that podcast, they brought up the fact that the black king of the Hellfire Club is generally the top spot. Yes. Right? So Tony is the black king and Wilson is the white king. But Wilson has the power here. Wilson has all the money. So that's interesting. But yes, that, that prophecy from Destiny definitely has to do with these non-mutant kings of the Hellfire duking it out well because shaw's Shaw's also on that list he's not
1: mutant, yeah vader wondering if the trial tony refers to is about cyclops dot 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 or sinister xavier and it's funny Mm -hmm. to bring that up and to remember the clip from the trailer where cyclops is being led out of a van Mm -hmm. and looks like he's going into a courtroom interesting so are they putting mutants on trial are they putting cyclops on trial as Captain Krakoa, right? Mm, so that was
0: interesting. likely
1: the more known thing.
0: Oh, side note, we didn't even talk about the cover where freaking Kamala is wearing the Captain Krakoa suit.
1: Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, the future, the rise of the powers of 10, rise of the powers of X, That that's wild. That is wild. Sinking in the Xavier chair. Yeah,
0: that cover is zombie
1: like... Zombie Kate.
0: She's not a zombie. Stop it. Apocalypse she's Kate. Apocalypse. I, don't, I don't know. I'm here for that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Connor 1.0 knows the first thing Tony has to do in his new suit is to give a swift kick to Faye Long's Unmentionables. Yes. Yes. Let's
0: go. I want to
1: see it on page. Oh,
0: this is making me want to go back and look at that issue and, and like look at those things that Destiny said to Rogue. Oh, sure. Yeah. And be like, what does it mean?
1: Ashcon91 shouting out Iron Man being all cap so good. I want him and Emma as a real couple. Me too, Ash. No response from Alicia. <laughs> Edward III is impressed that Iron Man is the book of for this week, really liking Tony and Emma's dynamic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it the fact that it won the poll last issue and then now is high in yeah. second place is really impressive about it standing as an X book.
0: I mean, we knew that Emma was going to play a big role in Iron Man, but this really reads, even though it's called... Uh, and the Invincible Iron Man, like there was that one that it got crossed out. It was like the Invincible right, Emma Frost. When she's like, showing up in it. Yeah, this very much feels like Iron Man and Emma Frost. Like sure. if the t- that's what the title could be, because it's always centered around the two of them and like whatever mission they're on, kind of and the little quips they have it's, back and forth.
1: It's Mrs. and Mr. Emma Frost. Oh, that's the name of the title.
0: All right. Well, then this is called The Adventures of Bishop and Cable.
1: Nope. Darren is just a teacher wondering if the mutants ever used Mysterium for anything other than trinkets, mm-hmm. right? Because she has the necklace. They didn't seem to really build with it. They used it as a negotiation tool. Yeah. Right? So this is what helped to step Soul into, or at least uh, Arako as the voice of Soul mm-hmm. into the Galactic Council giving this to stabilize things after the Snark War, after all of this unrest throughout all of the cosmos. Other than that, they haven't used it for anything that was like a base or a ship or...
0: I feel like that's because they know that it's a very unfair advantage like you know what I mean not that that's like necessarily the best reason but I think that they hold it in small trinkets as like a reminder to themselves of the power that they have access to but that they're not wielding like they're not using that because they don't need to they already have these other upper hands and like it's interesting when you think about the way that the framing around them is like oh you, you made your own nation and so you're plotting to take us all down and like they're like listen if we wanted to take you all down, we could. if we wanted to build a mysterium fortress, we could. if we wanted to build mysterium weapons, we could, but we're not and we like I think that's like a reminder to them to say like we don't need to we don't need to go this far and then that's like the questionable line of like should we have done that? you know, what's the right thing? like do you? It it kind of brings us back to the conversation that we've had in the past about Beast, where it's like, do you respond to the threats as they're presented to you, or do you theorize about the threats and plan for them and then go cuckoo bananas in in your idea of what could happen?
1: Right, right. I
0: don't know. Justin's like, build the fortress. Build
1: the fortress and beat the bigoted humans to death. (laughs) (laughs) Book of the Week The -hmm. Adventures of Cable and Bishop. Bishop and Cable?
0: Agree to disagree. Cable and Bishop.
1: Book of the week. Agree- no, no agree to disagree.
0: Not my book of the week.
1: This was my book of the week, excitedly. Oh. Uh, I've, I, I, just, I don't know how many times I can tell you. I love this book.
0: Even I even said to Justin, y'all, when I looked at this, I said, this is a Bishop and Cable look. Look, there's Bishop and Cable on the front, and there's the children of revolt, tiny little beeps in the back.
1: Well, sure. They're the mutants. They're the heroes. This is the message. The narrative is changing the title to be the villains they're trying to be the heroes of their story but they're still the villains at large in the fall of x backdrop
0: yeah well cable and bishop have a big old gun and they're shooting it at the the city
1: that's kind of their brand is big guns and guys making jokes about it that's kind of the big narrative arc in this issue is just the the charge onto the city and the surprise of the Sentinels coming down and attacking.
0: Yes, because, because, because Cable said boobly boobly boo to some Sentinel operators and was like, you, these are not the droids they're looking for. Yes. You want to attack the children of the future, with the children of tomorrow, because they are not who they seem to be. Just that look of like, oh, oh the no city is under attack.
1: Surprise. Cable
0: yeah look it's the title become the future
1: war on tomorrow written by denise camp art by luca maresca colors carlos lopez letters Corey petit
0: Corey Petit,
1: yannick paquette and guru efx on the cover
0: look at that mother mold master mold mother mold mother mold they that rebuilt right.
1: they rebuilt the orcus forge the reforge
0: let me ask you something what are these little brains That orcas has in this little vat.
1: This is their think tank. This is their supreme intelligence. This is.
0: Whose brains are those? I don't
1: know. Copies of brains? the, The mutant scientists? Human scientists that died? I don't know. It
0: concerns me.
1: Use your imagination as they unleash the sun onto the city
0: boy There's fight. attacks
1: left and right, just destroying everything, guns blazing.
0: I like that Bishop and Cable have their little banter. Their little banter it's back and so forth great. and they're like, You're the worst, and like, no, you're the worst. Okay, we're both the worst. Yeah. See you on the other side, bro. And then they separate for their Agreed. tiny missions.
1: <laughs> and then this data page from just hope and this letter to her. And the, the memories that it brings up of their relationship. I thought this was a nice point that gives humanity to Nathan Summers.
0: Yes. And I like him saying, you know, people are saying you're dead, but they don't know what I, I don't know. buy it. Like, I know you're not dead, hope. And like even though she may be she may be dead or somewhere else, as Jerry put it in them in the panel, yeah. dead or missing or something else giggle. Um <laughs> you know. She, he he believes that she can get through it and that's interesting to see how that goes you know and then we have we have our friend Serafina here struggling how is she dealing with what's happening the
1: message is failing we need to create a child that has not seen the light for quite some time muerte 13 Mm. A much lower number than all the other children. I'm not sure why. Well, Muerte.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah. It's interesting that we got this argument of how they should approach uh, their takeover of this world. And Serafina was like very steadfast in this is the way you do it. This is the right way to do it. And now her counterpart is saying, oh, were you wrong? It's
1: failing. Now we unleash the death
0: and then there's Ugh, the, the the lurking yes. the lurking dominion so seraphina overhead.
1: looking through time looking through space trying to see everything that she can but behind it all she sees and is overwhelmed by dominion just the fact that all right you tie in Orcus as this giant threat, comparable to if not able to take on the Children of the Vault, and you tease this connection—the fact that a character in world sees and is aware of mm-hmm. the impending Dominion—two really big things, right, anchoring this issue, and then just and the- how do
0: we how do we combat. The message?
1: Counter message.
0: With Nimrodney, the fun little kids cartoon that says, don't listen to the children. Don't go outside. Stay inside. Keep your brain safe from their terrible, terrible mind virus.
1: Yeah. Those are just fun ways to see how that plays out in various relationships, how it becomes this dividing factor across human existence and showing the people deal with it. Bishop kind of recounting some things in his war journal, getting us to the point where we're at. The, the fact that all these weapons that Cable has.
0: All the weapons.
1: How far would you go? How could you ever go far enough if you knew that billions would die?
0: Dun, dun, dun. I'm really
1: teeing up a big sacrifice in what I believe is the final issue of this miniseries.
0: Oh, and then Bishop continuing his mission. Into the depths.
1: Fighting in the vault as Cable revealing himself on the last page Mm -hmm. with a gun to the city.
0: The city shall be destroyed with my big gun, which, shout out to Scott Summers, who gave him the other gun. I got this gun from my dad. Wow. Wow. Cohen. What is it?
1: Kill the future.
0: Oh, dun,
1: dun, dun. Which, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it.
0: I do think it was great. I do think it was great. I just am a personal sucker for Emma Frost and Tony and Stark Tony and their Stark. beautiful marriage.
1: <laughs> no, I loved this. I I really enjoyed the art. I really enjoyed the story. I really enjoyed the threats. This relationship between Cable and Bishop, something mm-hmm. that otherwise has never really been explored, but still retains. It's history. Mm -hmm. They're kind of the frenemies. You know, we need to do this together. But then once we're done later, dude, I'm going to shoot you in the leg or something. I don't know. It just it has so many things going with it. And with so much of a critique on things in the world. And that's been from the start, right, with this message, with the way that the, the lithium farms, mm-hmm. there's just so much to this and the the ties to some of the bigger ideas that have been a part of this narrative since House and Powers mm-hmm. and, and just these big sci-fi threats, this big story. It just it makes it feel like not just a miniseries.
0: Right. And you think about how, y- you know, when you go back to House and Powers that there's all these different factors in different times coming for the X-Men. And we know that Dominion is one of them. And we look at the way that the children of the vault are not at all afraid of Orcus. Like, they don't think of Orcus as, like, any big thing. Whereas in certain lives of Moira, like, Orcus became the thing to fear. Yeah. But they're not afraid of them. But then when they see the Dominion, that kind of, like, shuts Serafina down. So there's an interesting level of what strikes fear in the hearts of the children of tomorrow, you know, and, and, and with them feeling so powerful, what does that say about the entity that is the Dominion? Mm. Because if they feel like they have all of these years of experience and they have all of this knowledge and they're so smart and they're so super powered, for them, for her to literally faint because of this threat makes you say, oh, snap, who it's is huge. it? huge. What is it? intrigue
1: mystery warline is loving the soul's hammering reference and the callback to hope's adventures as an eight-year-old mm. he was eight He s-
0: years old
1: yeah an eight-year-old that she was trained to be a killer ever since she was a baby living in this hellscape of the future
0: eight years old
1: she has so many ties to cable story mm. and she didn't have the the virus when she was sent to the future, but she had everyone seeking her out because she was one of the first mutants born since No More Mutants. Well,
0: just he's like talking about the all the things they did, and I'm like, She did that when she was eight years old.
1: That's what I'm saying. That's crazy. Anas wants to know who do you think the Dominion is? I Ugh. bet it's a Summers. The Fine, rage, then it's the, Rachel. The rage. I mean Asgani. Let's go. Here for that. Either Ascani or Cable himself. Ascani think...
0: was brought up. Yep. Yeah. So.
1: Could be rescuing her from the depths of other worlds and Cable? bringing back. Cable? You
0: think it's Cable? I
1: think It could be. Someone that lives beyond time and space.
0: I'd rather be Rachel.
1: I would too. But I think they're both contenders. That's I also think that Xavier Sinister is a contender as well. Especially yeah. tying it to the Sinisterized thread
0: There's just something in my soul that says that the Dominion is not a good guy. Sure. You know, and like I know that Cable's rough around the edges, but he's still a good guy. And Rachel is the greatest. Yep. And so I just don't see I don't see someone who fights for good becoming the thing that then is is the all-powerful over everyone else. Like that feels like that's an evil villain move. So my vote would go, of the three they were talking about, would go to Sinister Xavier.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that that's a great payoff to have it still connect to Sinister, but tempered in some way. You know, the, the fighting of Charles and Nathaniel. I think mm-hmm. that, that would be an interesting dynamic. China is here for this book. It's so awesome. I love Cable and Bishop's casual banter of guns. I and. Does Serafina know who the Dominion is? Love that connection? I don't know if she knows if who it is or in the same way that Sinister just saw this red right, light. entity. Right? He did not see who it was, but he heard from whoever it was that it wasn't him.
0: Right. And that it, like, the knowledge of its existence.
1: Right, right. I think it's just that, the, the knowledge of the existence.
0: Because it means for her that, that it's not them. Right. Like, they are not the end all be all.
1: Vaderino shouting it out. These boys are brilliant. Once again, using Orcus to take out another threat is the winning move. If the children are the ones who tell us who is the Dominion, it will be an incredible reveal that makes this whole vault subplot worth it. Mm. I would agree if that comes out here. I, I would mean, love I, that. I think the whole subplot's worth it regardless <laughs> anyway. because it's one of my favorite books here. Uh, you, you know. love the children of the I ball. love the children You've of the always love the children I of I have. Ball. I think that those were some of the better issues of Hickman's original X-Men mm-hmm. run.
0: Yeah. But that would be super sick. It's cuz it's like you have to you have to think that by the end of the Fall of Krakoa, like the end of the Fall of X, we're going to know who the Dominion is and that the, the Dominion is potentially thwarted because mm. We can't end with that. Like, then there's no more stories. There's nothing else to be told because the Dominion is the thing, and that's it. I'm the Dominion. No one else exists. Side rule, whatever. Ha ha ha. But <laughs> so we have to find out who it is, and then we have to figure out how we get to a place where that does not happen. Right. And then whatever roller coaster ride takes us, time travel shenanigans, you know, shifting of time and space and lifelines is going to take us to whatever the era of X Men is post Krakoa.
1: Right. That's the unknown. Connor 1.0 calling Bishop and Cable, best buds with big guns. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Love it.
0: That's the new title.
1: Also, 20 best buds with big guns. Also, 27 Yadotons equals 540 quintillion SAR bombs, what? AKA everyone on earth did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry. Sorry. Super Smiley wondering if anyone expected Children of the Vault's social commentary to be so throughout. No. Yeah, I, it's I just, crazy. I think it's interesting because it started with it, and then it never let up. Right. right. It started with it in issue one, and there's just been other ways that it's shown up in the following issues. Right. And I, I like. I'm a sucker for that. To to tie it even further to real world yes. issues, problems, commentary. I think that that makes it that much more a great book.
0: It makes, I think, the stakes higher for the reader because it it adds a level of connection or, or like a level yeah. of empathy or understanding or like the thirst for vengeance. You know, if you're like, I'm feeling like I'm being brainwashed or like I'm being fed this information and I'm being told how to think and how to feel and I don't want to do that. So I want to rise up against Orcas and I want to rise up against the children of the vault because they're telling me how to live my life. Yeah. You know?
1: Jonathan LV shouting out, the Omega mutant war is happening in Children of the Vault. How do you guys feel about this war? I think it escalated quickly. Like, yes. out of nowhere, Orcus is coming in like, no, these are not the heroes.
0: Well, it's not out of nowhere. It's out of Cable's little twinkly mind fingers. Yes.
1: Well, it's out of nowhere in a quick turn. Mm-hmm. But yes, I I am not upset by it. I'm <laughs> here for it. I'm loving it. We have war on Earth, war on Arako, war everywhere.
0: Everywhere. That's it. Whoa. That was a lot. It was good. We did good.
1: I think this... So I'm going to tell you. Uh Uh-oh. We have entirely too many issues coming out next week, and I think we might do something similar to this next week. Okay. Just because the amount of books... Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with the poll. I'm going to think about this all week. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to have two polls.
0: I don't know how that works. You have to put them in a randomizer so that you don't, like stack the polls subconsciously have to have,
1: we're gonna have to have brackets no but you know right?
0: yeah so like do it something like that do do it in heats but put it in put them in a randomizer to decide like who's the first bracket and then like can you put multiple polls in one post and then like no, if you have you can't okay so you have to do them in brackets but you can do like bracket one and then move it up and i'm then...
1: talking like yeah day one day two yeah that gives us an excuse to not record on <laughs> that's Thursday. that's why again. we
0: have to delay the recording oh
1: that's why that's why
0: no, but next Saturday I have to work for a big Halloween gig in Salem, so it's not going to be a Saturday that we record.
1: Boom. And next Sunday we have Dungeons and & Dragons and a guest spot on Gray Malcolm Lane. Is
0: that the thing you were talking about? You said we have a crossover? No, something else. Whoops, I'm in <laughs> trouble.
1: <laughs> Do you have any idea what's coming next week?
0: I have not even the slightest clue.
1: Can I just tell you there are seven fall of x books
0: seven
1: not including the fact that x-men days of future past doomsday number four and predator versus wolverine is also coming so, nine so every books. single book
0: is having an issue next every week. every
1: book except for all the books we talked about this week yes and x-force for some reason is not in either of those sampling i think that that's the only book that doesn't fall into either of those camps wow Where like it happened in this issue which covers two weeks of books and Immortal X-Men, so which I think were the issues that came out two weeks Wait, ago.
0: Wait, so what the heck books is this? It's not, ah. X, it's not any of these. It's not X-Force. It's not Immortal X-Men. What is
1: it? It's Alpha Flight number three. Uh huh. It's Miss Marvel the New Mutant number three. Okay. It's Realm of X number three. Yes. Uncanny Avengers number three. Yep. Jean Grey number three. Okay. Uncanny Spider-Man number two. Mm-hmm. And Dark X-Men number three.
0: Okay, well, it's going to be a great time.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> dude, it's fire. It's literal fire, but it's <laughs> a lot to do, but i'm excited oh man i'm gonna like take the day off to just read comics
0: (laughs) oh oh, that's funny until next time old friend
1: charles on his island
0: we didn't even talk about the resurrection of magneto thanks so much for joining us today on the ex-wife podcast be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends
1: the Ex Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan.